The Athletic. Totally Football Show, European Edition. Today we're looking ahead to the midweek second legs with Bayern, Barca and Thomas Tuchel's Blues all facing early exits. Can Frankfurt and Villarreal complete the upsets? Can James Horncastle pass himself off as a Portuguese expert? And how will Jules fare as he prepares to add El Chiringuito to his list of media conquests? All that and more in this Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Well, hello there, listeners. It's the week starting April the 11th. We've got a full house in your Totally Football Show European edition today. That means Alvaro Romeo's with us. Hi, Alvaro. Hello. Also that James Horncastle. Hello, James. Hello, everybody. Nice. And Julien Laurent, too. Julien. Bonjour, tout le monde. Christophe Biermann will be along very, very shortly, and we've got big things to talk about. We are between two European legs at the moment, with some big return matches on the way, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. Which match, Alvaro, are you most agog for? has to be Bayern-Villarreal. I wasn't expecting mm. the tie to be alive and so alive. Uh, and the truth is that uh, Villarreal is uh, going into the Alliance with uh, hopes. And uh, definitely, this is one of the games that I never thought I was going to be a competitive one. So, full praise to Villarreal. What a thing it would be if Villarreal put Bayern Munich out. What about you, Jules? Are you still taking interest in the Champions League these days? Or Yeah, of course I am. I I think the uh, Real Madrid-Chelsea game is is very exciting as well because you know, it looks very much like Real Madrid are in control. Mm. But I see it would not be surprising if Chelsea did well in that game at the Bernabeu and could also cause them problems and, and make that game really interesting, that second leg. So, yeah, and it's mm. always great to watch Karim Benzema play anyway, so... Indeed so. Indeed so. I have a feeling that could be item one on our agenda, our Euro agenda uh, today, after we get some moments of the weekend. James, before that even, what are you most looking forward to this midweek? It's got to be Pep overthinking for second leg against Atletico Madrid at the Wanda Metropolitana, hasn't it? Let's, let's see. I mean, that is still in the balance. You don't know how much of a toll um, Sunday's game against Liverpool have taken uh, mm. on, on, on City um, because that went right until the end of that game. So let's see what Trolito has cooking. Yeah, indeed so. Atletico coming off their second 1-0 defeat in a row ahead of that game. But all of that we're going to touch on in the course of today's show. Listener, I know you want to hear everyone's moments of the weekend with Paddy Power though. So Alvaro, kick us off. Yeah, my moment of the weekend is a bit of a weird one. It's uh, Alexander Isaac's penalty in the Real Sociedad game against Elche. Basically, Kidida scored it, but the referee called it down, cancelled it, because uh, Kidida Paradinha right uh, before taking the shot. And that he is illegal watch, because Kidida eh? Paradinha right after his run, literally then, not a little bit before uh, shooting, right. but right before shooting, and the referee uh-huh. cancelled it. And I haven't seen anything like that for a long time. All oh, right. I can ask you again though. What's a paradinha? Paradinha is when you oh, when stop, you stop, stop your run. before oh. taking your shot, and that's the way they call it in Brazil. It has been the term exported to at least Latino countries. And yeah, uh, I've never seen anything like that. So the message probably is from now on that players like Jorginho, for example, should uh, right. do that very carefully because if yes. they miss anything in their craft, well, their goal can be cancelled. Well, I thought that was always a delicate. A delicate call from the referee because you're not allowed to stop before you take the kick. Mm. Jules, 
My moment of the week is the incredible scenario of the Lorient-Saint-Etienne game on, on Friday night, which was a big game in the fight against relegation and Saint-Etienne were tuned up after only a few minutes cruising and then somehow Lorient scored six, six goals in a row to win 6-2 in an incredible atmosphere. Uh, Mofi, Kone, Lefay, Loriente, all of them were fantastic, really incredible game. Uh, my wife was actually joking on Friday saying, oh, we're not going to watch that. And then it was one of the games of the season, incredible for Lorient, uh, six to win after being 2-0 down after just a few minutes. All right, what did she say at the end? Did she say Julien? That was she said, you know your so much. I said, yeah, I do. I know. This is, you know, <laughs> this is what I do. Yeah, there was no apostrophe in there, was there? No. No. Okay. Uh, James. Well, where do we go? Uh, certainly not no, Every night. week. Every week. It's like, oh, which one would I pick? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> it's, it's tricky. I mean, uh, I'm going to go lower divisions, honestly. Okay, the Moderna. Oh, yeah. Modena. We're going to go to Modena. Yeah. Not only because Modena is the food capital of the world and everybody nice. should go, but because Ricardo Gagnon. <clears throat> no. Um, yes. Keep yes. San Sebastian um, <laughs> and shove it in your Basque country. Um, <laughs> you don't know so. what you're talking about, man. <laughs> this is a good start of the show. I like this. <laughs> so, Switch off your microphone so. now. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ricardo Gagnon, the, uh, the Modena goalkeeper. Who, uh, who scored from 80 meters. It's not like a goalkeeper going up for a corner kick and, mm. and getting a flick on and, and, and scrambling it in. He manages to, well, outdo his opposite number, uh, who I must say is kind of fooled by the bounce of the ball. It, it really kicks up off the turf mm. uh, and over him. Prato del Modena, occhio dopo ribalto, perché dentro, eh. Attenzione! Il gol di Riccardo Gagno, non ci credo! Non ci credo! But yeah, sort of sending Modena, who mm. were playing Imolese, um, on their way to uh, on their way to promotion or nearing promotion, and uh, we've already seen Bari come up. Great scenes um, at the uh, San Nicola with that uh, or that Renzo Piano elephant in the sand stadium. Actually, the court of a full and packed as it should be, looking good. So uh, yeah, why not? Moment of the weekend is very much a, a tour in, in, in one of the uh, lower kind of Dante-esque circles of Italian football. So there you go. Nice, nice. So some, some would say that a hoof uphill from the goalkeeper is old-fashioned, but this was moderner. Anyway, <laughs> let's get on to the Champions League. The Totally Football Show European Edition's Moment of the Weekend. Brought to you by Paddy Power. If one leg of your 4 plus fold acca lets you down, get a free bet on all football leagues and all markets. Max free bet £10, minimum odds 1 to 5 per leg. Online exclusive, no shop bets. T's and C's apply. 18 plus, begambleaware.org. All right then, Real Madrid taking on Chelsea Tuesday. The holders on the verge of elimination, Claxon. Chelsea 3-1 down from the first leg at Stamford Bridge. What do we make of their chances here? They've, they've won their last seven matches on the road. They need to win their eighth to make it, but they need to do it by two goals. No English side has ever had that kind of result at the Bernabeu. Chelsea have never played, by the way, at the Bernabeu. Um, there you go. I, I don't know if Real Madrid can play two games in, well, two games in a row. They played Retafe in at the weekend, which was an easy game, even with all the, the rotation. I don't know if they are capable, because we haven't seen it yet, to play two big performances back-to-back in the Champions League, for example. The first leg, Casemiro said it on Monday in the press conference, he said this was the best 90 minutes we played all season. 
And I, I think he, he's a bit generous over the whole 90 minutes. I think he was certainly the, the best 45 first minutes that they've played. Uh, and I, th I don't think many of us expected them to be able to put out that kind of performance away at Stamford Bridge. However, I don't know if they can do it again on Tuesday night. That will obviously play the big part. You know that Chelsea are going to, obviously, they will have to go for it, which I guess, in a way, will make it easier maybe for Madrid and Vinicius. Mm. And this time, I don't expect Valverde to start the more a Rodrigo or an Asensio to take advantage of the fact that Chelsea have to come out and have to play and have to have a lot of the ball and have to play the really high defensive line. And obviously, Kareem the dream. But, but I think it's fascinating because the one thing that you know for sure is that Chelsea will play better than they did in the first leg. It's impossible that they have another stinker like they did in the first leg. So it's, it's, for me, it's all down to how much can Real Madrid control the game. And we certainly saw in that second half in the first leg that I think they are the master of coping with the moments in the game where they are under pressure, where they are under the coach. There's some teams that explode when it's like that, when they're under pressure, they can't deal with it. They are so experienced, this Real Madrid team, that they are so good at it. Like you put them under pressure and yet they manage to always, there's always something, they always keep the ball a bit longer or there's always a block or something that when you think you have a chance, you don't score it. And sometimes they, they ride their luck a bit like every big team. Mm. But for me, the key is that if they can repeat the performance or even 70% even of the performance from the first leg, Real Madrid are going to go through. Chelsea will play better. And if Real Madrid can't keep that kind of level, then I think mm. they might struggle a little bit. And if Chelsea score first, then I think it's a very open game. That will make it interesting. Tony Cruz and Luka Modric both rested for the weekend game against Getafe, so they'll be fresh. No Eda Militao, though. He's suspended for this one. Alvaro. Yeah, uh, not having Militao is a very um, sensitive absentee for Real Madrid because him and Alaba, uh, they play great together. I think Nacho doesn't have um, the defensive capabilities of Eder Militao. He's also shorter than Militao. Fortunately for Nacho, by the way, Romelu Lukaku won't be featuring because I think that Romelu Lukaku could have been difficult to handle for Nacho and maybe for Alaba as well, especially in the, um, in the aerial game, aerial battles. But I do believe that uh, Chelsea has a slight chance. I still think that. I think Real Madrid was better than Chelsea at Stamford Bridge, even though the second half of Chelsea wasn't terrible at all. But Real Madrid did a great display of efficiency against Chelsea that doesn't have to repeat itself again and uh, you know then Benzema scored uh, three goals uh, in the four goal chances he had he had four one of them was very clear he missed it but then his two headers were unbelievable then he scored another goal because he profited from a mistake uh, and I think that that explosive uh, minimalism of Karim Benzema was what gave Real Madrid the win altogether with his uh, good connection with uh, Vinicius but I think that Chelsea still has a chance. I mean, they, I'm sure that during the game there will be spells in which Chelsea believes that this is still possible. And I would disagree with using one thing. I think that Fede Valverde may play. Uh, because when Fede Valverde plays, Luka Modric and Toni Kroos look younger because he runs for them. And uh, suddenly having athletical players, very physical players like Fede Valverde or Mendy in the left-hand side uh, make some other older players of Real Madrid play better. So I think that Ancelotti knows that and the 4-4-2 mm. is becoming key system little by little at least for the big games. So yes, I think that Fede Valverde may play in this game and I think that he's going to be important again. Mm. I liked Ancelotti's comment after uh, the 3-1 in the first leg where he said uh, a two-goal margin is by no means safe. Where I'm concerned in the, in the it's Champions a dangerous League. score, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, of course, he has some some precedents in terms of 
unexpected reverses, but it does look like it's set up perfectly for Real. This not only do they have the two core cushion, but Chelsea have to come out, and they look so deadly on the break with Vinicius and, and Benzema. James, you called the first leg pretty well beforehand. What do you think about this one? Did he? What did he yeah, say? Yeah, yeah, he did. What did you say? Always. You were on your way back from got... Shrewsbury. What did you say? Yeah. <laughs> I even persuaded uh, Joe Cole and uh, Owen Hargreaves at the draw that uh, that Real Madrid were, nice. were a force to be reckoned with still. Mm. Nice. All right. Um, so, so, so there you go. Well, I mean, this Champions League uh, has has taught us that uh, nobody is safe. Um, that you know, we, we've we've seen teams come back in quite sensational circumstances. Real Madrid being one uh, uh, in in the earlier game. So all you need is one mistake. And Chelsea in that second half, they did have chances for the three-two. Yeah, I mean, Lukaku came on. He had that header. You know. I, Real Madrid essentially stopped playing after Benzema scored, or stopped playing as a, a as an attacking force after that third goal went in, um, and I, I'm not sure that was entirely by design. I think that's something that 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 Chelsea Chelsea ultimately stopped as well. So I think it's still I think it's still wide open. Um, Alvaro, you'll have to tell me the last time Madrid were eliminated when they had a first leg advantage and played the second leg at home. Well, um, against Ajax. Three years ah. ago. It wasn't that long ago, actually. Yeah. But yeah, normally it doesn't happen, of course. Mm. Well, as you say, this kind of thing isn't all that rare in the Champions League. We've seen extraordinary comebacks. Liverpool against Barcelona. Spurs against Ajax. Ajax against Real Madrid. Who knows, eh? Tuesday night, anyway. That's going to be happening at the Bernabeu. The other Tuesday clash, also highly intriguing. It's the return leg between Bayern and Villarreal with... The yellow submarine 1-0 up from the first leg. Next up then, let's hear from Christoph Biermann. It's the Paddy Power Football Supporters Support Line and we've got Simon from Manchester on the line. Yeah, I'm stressed about the potential of a Liverpool City Champions League final, Paddy. Sounds like an epic, Simon. Yeah, but one team's going to come off really badly. Who's that? My lot. Man United. It's not always rewarding being a football fan. But if it's rewards you're after, try Paddy Power's Bet Builder and get money back as a free bet if one leg of your fourfold Bet Builder lets you down. Paddy Power. Pre-match online Bet Builder bets only. Min odds 1 to 5 per leg. Max free bet £10 per day. Seven day free bet expiry. Excludes enhanced match odds, eligibility restrictions and T's and C's apply. 18 plus begambleaware.org. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. All right, the countdown to Bayern Villarreal is underway. Tuesday night, they meet again after last week's shock victory for the Yellow Submarine. Joining us now is Christoph Biermann. So talk about that and, yes, so much more. Uh, Christoph, first of all, hello to you again. What, what was the reaction in Germany to Bayern's defeat last week? Um, overall, a mix of surprise and... Doubt, I would say. I mean, we, we have discussing about this form and situation of Bayern, but I think a bit uh, a kind of general doubt is creeping in uh, how good the uh, Bayern this year is. And, and my impression is 
especially after this match, that probably the Nagelsmann Bayern are not as good as the Flick Bayern were. And we, we have seen that pretty often this season, um, uh, that they, they were not able to put that amount of pressure on opposing teams that they were able to to put uh, uh, under flick and i think it's it's uh, really a structural problem not not uh, because um, nagelsmann is approaching football in a different way he's thinking more about the how how you create your own game and and not so much about coming from this maybe defensive approach that Flick had, so press high, get the ball in, in the opposing uh, first third and, and, and so on, or no, nowadays it's called in the red zone. And um, and, and, and yeah, well, well, let's see. I mean, uh, there was a press conference today uh, where um, Nagelsmann said uh, Villarreal made the mistake in the first let of letting us live. And mm. um, and Manuel Neuer was saying we are not to be trifled with uh, when we have lost a game like that. So um, uh, they they trying to intimidate uh, Villarreal a bit, but I don't know if they are uh, that impressed. Okay, I mean their home record, FC Bayern, uh, there in Munich is pretty intimidating. Twenty goals they've scored in their last four home games in the Champions League. They had a bit of a wobble against Rebel Salzburg in the previous round away, then took them back home and beat them, what was that, 7-1? Yeah, but, but Villarreal is, is a different class com- compared to, to Salzburg. And, and interestingly, I, I was thinking there is no team that plays a style like Villarreal in, in the mm-hmm. Bundesliga. It's, it's an interesting yeah. mix of, it's, it's a very skillful team, it's a tactically very well organized and and all the players you can see it are they have a high degree of football intelligence and that's a very interesting mix we 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 don't see like this in the bundesliga so so um bayern don't uh, don't uh, uh, does not often meet team teams like uh, like Villarreal. I mean, I think they also had a great day um uh, that also played a part so yeah, it's it's a it will be a, a, a fascinating uh, game to see. Mm. Alvaro, a lot of people underestimated Villarreal before that first leg. Is there a danger of making that mistake again? Do you think? Well, I plead myself guilty for that as well because I thought that uh, <laughs> Bayern uh, were going to beat Villarreal. That maybe this Bayern was too much for them. But there is one characteristic that defines Villarreal very well: the fact that they slow you down, and I think that they do it consciously. Uh, they know that they are not fast, and they like to do that. Unai Emery normally bans them from playing one-touch football in uh, sensitive areas of the pitch where they can lose the ball and then uh, the, the, the opponent can trigger a counter-attack or, a, or launch an attack. And uh, the truth is that they deserve more against the Bayern in the first leg. And probably they left that game thinking that they could have beaten Bayern by two or three. I remember a mistake from Manuel Neuer uh, that he left his goal completely open and Gerard Moreno couldn't capitalize from the halfway line. Then uh, Gerard Moreno hitting the post again. Pedraza having a great chance, but he was the poor man exhausted when he got into the box and he couldn't shoot uh, with a little bit of clarity. So, yeah, I think that Villarreal and, and we know that they are going to be tactically more or less spot on 
Eh, I know that they are going to be well rested because una Emery did a full rotation in the game against Athletic Club Bilbao, he rotated 11 players in comparison to the lineup of Bayern, which is very good uh, because that proves that Villarreal has a very, very abundant squad as well. And I am expecting, I don't know, like a really good display from Villarreal again. The thing is that, but that Bayern, I've seen them beating Spanish clubs so comfortably over the last years that I've got this feeling that... Uh, the second they score the first goal, maybe that's going to be too much to handle for Villarreal. Although they have quite a track record, I think I'm right in saying, Christoph, of going out after losing the first leg against Spanish sides. Hmm. Yeah, well, uh, for example, against uh, it happened against Real Madrid, as far as I can remember now, a few times. Uh, then they beat Barcelona 8-2. Last season, they beat Sevilla in the European Super Cup final, but that was mm. very tight as well. So, yeah, I, I think that Bayern has always been a difficult opponent for anybody and as I said before uh, this Villarreal what they are doing in Europe uh, it doesn't have any coherence with what they are doing domestically I mean domestically they are not even in European places right now but then in Europe they have switched and they are uh, preparing the games individually to a certain degree of excellence that uh, you know it's uh, leaving them there like uh, very close to the semi-finals really they just have to do a good performance in the Allianz Arena but that's not easy and and when you when when you look at the personnel, I mean, Zule will be out uh, surely against Villarreal tomorrow. Upamecano will come in, and I, I mean, last season I, I I was thinking that he was probably the best central defender in the Bundesliga at Leipzig. He looked like three players in one. He was overwhelming his opponents in in so many games, and this season he's he's struggling a lot. Also, he he made a. A big mistake against Augsburg that, um, that it, it wasn't leading to a goal, but but still he is struggling. And also Leroy Sané and Serge Gnabry are, are not in top form right now. So, ooh, let's see. I I, I think it's it's pretty open. What's 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 going to happen tomorrow? Crikey! Only a one 0 win against Augsburg at the weekend. A late Robert Lewandowski penalty there. They had started like an absolute train under Nagelsmann comfortably outscoring the previous edition of, of Bayern under Hansi Flick. So have things just begun to, has the momentum begun to ebb away or is it more of a Champions League question, that, that this limitation you're talking about? I mean, the the, um, the gap between Bayern and, and, and the second team at Dortmund is, is so big, but still... We had uh, some Bundesliga matches that that were also not uh, performances in the Bundesliga that were were not very, very impressive, and um, especially in in the second half of the season. So, the picture is still a bit blurred. Um, what uh, what what we what we can make out of Bayern, and and I think surely we know more tomorrow evening when the, mm. when the game is over. Excellent. All right, well, in the meantime, Christoph, tell us all about your trip to the Olympia <laughs> Stadion uh, this weekend for the Berlin Derby. Yeah, it was great. I mean, it was great to have a, a capacity 75 or 78,000 uh, uh, Olympic Stadium with a, uh, a lot of uh, red and white Union fans in there as well. And um, But... Uh, the atmosphere was good. It, the result was, and the game was depressing for Hertha. They were losing 4-1. It was uh, the biggest away win, uh, so it's not too far away for for Union uh, in their Bundesliga history. It was uh, they were beating them three times uh, this season, uh, twice in the Bundesliga and in the German Cup at the Olympia Stadium as well. 
And the overall situation for, for Hertha is now is really difficult. I mean, they are they will be facing in the uh, next weeks uh, uh, all the other candidates uh, for relegation. Um, they play at Augsburg, they play at home against Stuttgart, and then they have to go to Bielefeld. And the atmosphere around the club is not good. Uh, maybe you heard about this, um, that the ultras forced the players to uh, put off their jerseys. And, and uh, some of the um, players did, or most of the players did, because they felt under pressure when they were standing in, in front of the Ostkurve, where the um, Hertha hardcore fans uh, are standing. And, and and that's a strange uh, sign to see. So that players are intimidated, put under under pressure, and I think it's it's not at all helpful if you if you w want to be united against relegation. Absolutely, they're currently lying second last in the Bundesliga, but only one point from safety ahead, as you say, of a delicate run of games. And they got Felix Maggot back in as well. How's that working out for them? Um, <laughs> he had a good start uh, when they were beating Hoffenheim 3-0 in his first match when he wasn't there <laughs> because he had corona and had to stay in the hotel. And we, we were talking uh, about the Fotheringham day when his uh, mm. assistant Mark Fotheringham was, uh, was in charge. Um, they they lost lost the second one 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 two at Leverkusen with an okay performance, but um, also tactic wise it it was not very convincing. What uh, Maga did, he brought in a, a young player from the under nineteen team, a defender, and and this young kid was totally overwhelmed in the first half and had to get out in the second half. Then he switched tactically. And uh, to a three-five uh, defense in in the back, and and in a way that also helped um, Union Berlin uh, to overcome them. So it wasn't actually a tactical masterclass by by by, by Felix Magath. So, yeah, if you wrap it all together, uh, the outlook is bleak. Mm, indeed. So uh, a quick word then, Christoph, on the outlook for Thursday night's uh, <laughs> matches involving German sides. RB Leipzig will be visiting. Bergamo, while Frankfurt go to Barcelona with their friends. How many Frankfurt fans are going along? So officially, they they had four thousand seven hundred fifty tickets allocated, but it said that maybe around fifteen thousand Frankfurt supporters will be in Barcelona. It's not sure how how many of them got tickets in official ways or or whatever, or if they only will uh, hang around um, in Barcelona, you will easily spot them because they uh, have decided to be all whites. So everybody is go who is going has to put on white shirts and or white t-shirts or whatever. So there will be a kind of white um, crusade also uh, from Frankfurt. They, they love that color in Barcelona. Yeah, good idea. <laughs> but it is it not Semana Santa as well? So there's going to be loads of people parading around in all white, aren't there? And yeah, as well. Yeah, the cofrades. Mm. Interesting. Yeah, How do you rate their prospects, Alvaro and, and, and Christophe? Arguably the better side, no, in the first leg, and a little bit like Villarreal, they didn't put their mighty opponents quite to the sword. No? They let them yeah. live. 100%. I think Frankfurt was better. Xavi uh, knows that. Xavi uh, understood um, that very well. And his assessment after the game, I think like, it was uh, critical. He said that uh, the problem was not physical with Barcelona. Frankfurt not, was not uh, 
physically better than them, but they played better football. And uh, I think Barcelona was outplayed and uh, they were lucky to, to escape with a little bit of life from that tie because Frankfurt could have scored two or three. I think it will, will also have to do a bit with the atmosphere in the stadium. So if it's if they really manage to get uh, 10 or 15,000 people into the ground and make it in, in a, to a kind of crazy home game away from home, that that could make a difference actually, um, because I mean when 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 you when when you look at the pure quality of the teams there, I mean Frankfurt was really well organized against Barcelona and and they played with a lot of heart and and so on, but uh, uh, in the end Barcelona is by far the better team, and uh, they started without Frankie de Jong, they started without Usman Dembélé, and I think they will be in the starting lineup for the second leg, and and they will make a, a difference. Um, but, uh, but 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 yeah, maybe that c could be one of these chaotic cup nights or so that um, that happen once in a while. Mm. Barcelona coming off a pretty chaotic Liga night. Uh, this weekend in their 3-2 late, late victory against relegation strugglers. Levante, your levitating friend Pedri Alvaro on the score sheet once again. What a player. What a player. The thing is that uh, he came out from the bench uh, altogether with Gavi and uh, they changed the game completely because Xavi uh, decided that this was the game to rest uh, Gavi and Pedri and a few more and that didn't work. He gave the midfield uh, the keys of the midfield to Frankie de Jong and Nico and it was very obvious that these two have never played together and from all the Barcelona Academy players that have broken into the first team squad this season, I think that Nico is the one who's got more left to learn because he's not very good at anything in particular, you know, with Pedri we can say, well, his passing is excellent. With Gabi we can say that his uh, ball carrying is excellent, but Nico doesn't have any mm, definitive skill. And I think not until he sharpens that, he's going to be a top player. But yes, I think that Barcelona, uh, again, uh, managed to stay alive at Levante ground, uh, again, with... Uh, a beautiful goal from Pedri, uh, of course, uh, after a great um, a great assist from Gabi. And I would say that in Frankfurt, it was Ferran Torres, another player who is still a youngster, who made the difference. And the goal he fabricated all together with Frankie de Jong is probably one of the nice goals we have seen this season in the Europa League. So mm. Barcelona has plenty of quality in the squad, but the problem is that defensively they are not particularly solid. And when the games uh, become trepid, fast, then they suffer a lot. Well... That game's coming up at 8 o'clock on Thursday. A little bit before that, seven forty. Sorry, 5.45 UK time. Atalanta hosting RB Leipzig. And speaking of nice goals in the Europa League, what about Luis Muriel's uh, goal in the first leg? Luis Muriel, que entra, da modo suo, in area, tiro, gol! Muriel, grandissima gol di Luis Muriel che passa in mezzo a tre. Wildly open match, that, between... RB Leipzig and Atalanta. Briefly, the, the pair of you, who, who do you see going through in the second leg? Well, Atalanta have not been good at home this season. Um, yeah, that's been, you know, one of the disappointing sides. You know, I mean, if you think about their qualification or prospective progress to the round of 16 of the Champions League, it all rested on that game against Villarreal in Bergamo um, and, and they lost. Um, so it's reflected in their league form as well. I think the encouraging thing is, I think for... For, for spells of that game against Leipzig, they played well. Um, yeah, Gasparini did concede that they they were lucky at the end, um, particularly when Sabozlai came on. 
I think one thing that they're encouraged by is that, okay, again, they lost at the weekend, but they rested seven players for, for, for this Leipzig game, apart from one, and that was Duvan Zapata. Zapata came on in Leipzig. Um, he played 90 minutes at the weekend. Atlanta weren't inferior to Sassuolo at all. They, they perhaps deserved to get more out of that game. And Zapata is not just a goal scorer, he's someone who creates. Um, and I think having him back is probably their best chance of uh, of qualifying. So it will it will rest on on Duvan's shot. They're on their two Colombians, James. Hmm. All right. RB Leipzig with a three 0 win away at Hoffenheim this weekend. Yeah, they were they were impressive actually. Um, it was an important uh, important for them because uh, Hoffenheim is one of the competitors for the places to qualify for the Champions League and. They were already 3-0 up at, at halftime and they were by far the better team and deserved the lead. So they seem to be in good form, but still I, I, I think the, um, the second leg at, at Bergamo is wide open to both of the teams. Mm -hmm. All right, well, most enjoyable affair, the first one. Looking forward to seeing how the next one turns out. Next up, let's move on to Wednesday's games in the Champions League. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. You're listening to The Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. And with Paddy Power, if something doesn't go quite according to plan, you can get your money back as a free bet if one leg of your bet builder lets you down. And that's got to be good news for all you Man United fans out there, eh? Pre-match bet builders only. Get your stake back as a free bet. Minimum four plus legs. Max free bet £10. Excludes enhanced match odds. T's and C's apply. It's over 18 only. And please, gamble responsibly. All right, Wednesday in the Champions League. Liverpool host Benfica. Man City visit Atletico Madrid. James, you went to the Estadio de Luz to see Benfica lose against uh, Liverpool 3-1 in the first leg. How much time do you want to spend on the second leg? Is it is it done and dusted? Is it done and dusted? I mean, it would be a surprise for, for Liverpool to, to lose at Anfield. Um, they did, of course, in their last Champions League home game, which was mm -hmm. against Inter. Uh, Jules was there for that one as well. I think Inter caused uh, Liverpool much more difficulty uh, than Benfica did. Even though Benfica for... 15 minutes in the in the second half, they got that early goal um, that got them back into the game from Darwin Nunes. And yeah, Darwin afterwards felt he should have had a penalty. I think that was very soft. And yeah, Rafa Silva started to play very well, particularly on the on the on the right side. 15, 20 minutes, uh, the crowd, I mean the, the Dalouse was rocking, literally rocking. And it was a magnificent atmosphere to be a part of, you know, after sort of two years of, of, of COVID and, and restrictions on crowds. Darwin did score a hat-trick at the weekend against mm. uh, against Belenich. Um Doesn't really help them in the Portuguese league because all the teams ahead of them also won. Um, so they're still uh, very far away from automatic qualification for next year's Champions League. But Darwin, you know, once again showing uh, why there's so much interest in him. Um, mm. Terapt set up a couple of his goals. Terapt didn't play particularly well 
<laughs> in midfield again alongside Julian Weigel uh, in the first leg, gave the ball away for that brilliant, um, was it Sadio Mane goal where Trent plays one of those Beckham-style crosses for Luis Diaz to, to nod down for him. So I would, you know, I would expect Liverpool to progress quite comfortably. But, you know, it's the Champions League, James. Anything can happen. It's the place where amazing happens. Right, indeed so. It's all about survival of the fittest and they've got Darwin, etc. and so on. <laughs> Darwin Nunes with 31 goals in 36 games for Benfica this season. Crazy numbers. But it looks like Liverpool's strong favourites there. Who fancies Atletico Madrid to put Pep out, though, on Wednesday night? Jules. El Chiringuito's Jules. Ah, oh, yeah, Jules, you're going on El Chiringuito. Sorry, yeah, tell us about this. I've been invited on El uh, Chiringuito, not the real show at the moment, I have to right. stress. It's only the Twitch uh, like pre-show, if you want. Okay. Um, so it's much earlier. It's uh, 7 o'clock in the UK and 8 o'clock uh, Spanish time. Okay. To talk about Kylian Mbappe. You know, Is it so a more measured, considered, nuanced affair? I don't know. I've never watched on Twitch. I've only watched the real one. So I don't know. Maybe Alvaro can tell us. But I'm going to put... All those stupid rumours that Kylian Mbappé will go to Real Madrid to bed. <laughs> to bed. And, you know, go to tic-tac, tic-tac, tic-tac way. Nice. I thought, I thought, James, I thought you were going to say, is it going to be a more uh, measured, considered Julian Laurence on this show? <laughs> <laughs> no chance. <laughs> Jules, I, I think you're just collecting TV shows on which you can say Kareem the Dream. You did it right. on the no, score. I'm not even sure. I know, but I'm not PLP. even sure I'd be able to say on this one. But I'll try my best to say Kareem <laughs> the Dream as well. I'm going to make up some Spanish words too. It's going to be really good fun if you want to join in. Oh, I do. I do. Jules will be appearing in, in, in Spanish, by the way. He, he's just been demonstrating his... Uh, just, you know, before we, we came on. But sorry, yes. Yeah, so, no, but I... That's what you're going to be on discussing Mbappe. What do you yeah. think about Atletico Madrid against Man City? I was very, very disappointed by El Cholo and his tactics and the 5-5-0 in the first leg. And I understand that you, you go to the Etihad and you have to play a certain way, maybe mm. if you don't want to get battered. However, we've seen, we've seen many times this season with, with, team, with teams much, much smaller than Atletico Madrid that you can also go there try to get a result, try to play. You can even score a goal. You're allowed to shoot at the Etihad. It's not mm. forbidden to shoot. You, this is part of the game. You're allowed to shoot. You're allowed to enter the box, their box, and you, you're allowed to try to score a goal to Edison, which right. they didn't do in the first leg. And more but seriously, they will have to. But I don't, understand, I don't know how you can switch. And I saw the, I saw the Mallorca game on Saturday, and it was exactly mm. the same. They could not even be better with the ball than they were at the Etihad. So I don't know how you can suddenly switch from not doing anything with the ball in England, and then because you are the Wanda, then suddenly start playing a bit more, be a bit more attacking, play a bit better with the ball. Because this, even when you have the ball, like at the weekend, you don't know what to do with it anyway. Mm. So I, I cannot see, of course it can happen. Of course they can score a set-piece goal and then take it to penalties and then all black saves a pen and then they win. But I, I cannot see how this one is not going to City. Alvaro? I think, James, that uh, Atletico de Madrid defended well against Manchester City, but Manchester City defended better. That's the funny thing of all this, that we are praising Atletico de Madrid's defense, but at the end of the day, they conceded shots, they conceded the goal, and uh, Manchester City didn't concede a single shot on target or off target. So I think that the tactics of Guardiola, that they work perfectly. Look, this is the kind of game in which Simeone won't be embarrassed to play very similarly. And we know Simeone, we've been seeing him again uh, for many years, and uh, he likes defending, and he thinks that this is his way. And uh, if the scoreline is... But he's nil, a goal nil, behind. Uh, 
if the scoreline is nil nil by the halftime, I don't think that he's going to be particularly troubled. Really, right. he's going to make sure that the game stays in the tight margins, a very short scoreline, and then he'll try to scrap a goal here on there or there. But I don't think that Atletico is going to go crazy for the goal because this is not in Simeone. Well, they lost one nil at Mallorca on Saturday, and are now actually looking a little bit. Doubtful for their top four status, actually, the uh, reigning Spanish champions. A Real Betis is only a point behind them in fifth. So it could be a very underwhelming end to this season for Atleti. Jules, you've got important news about the Antoine Griezmann household. Yes, on Friday was a very important day because we, we wished happy birthday to Antoine Griezmann's uh, first child mm-hmm. and also Antoine Griezmann's second child and also mm-hmm. Antoine Griezmann's third child because they're all born different years but on the same day, April the 8th. So it must have been a, a, a crazy day in the house. To be fair. Indeed. But uh, can I ask, because it is an extraordinary coincidence, were these, what kind of delivery did they have? Were they... Uh, cesarean, in which case you can actually book the day, no? Yeah, I don't think it was a coincidence, no. Ah. Yeah. So that's it's an incredible hat trick. Creepy then. It's, an incre- it's his best hat trick ever, to be fair. It, it is creepy, but there is another stat over there that I find it as creepy, if not more, is the fact ah. that the, the age difference between Ronaldo and Messi and their sons are exactly the same. Ooh. Doesn't make any sense. 869 days, to be precise. Mm. So history will repeat itself. We'll have the Ronaldo-Messi debate we are in the second generation. Yeah, wow. it's coming. Excellent. Whatever the next social media platform is, its future is safe. <laughs> we, see, we see a fair amount of uh, Cristiano Ronaldo's son deporting himself on, on football pitches. Uh, what do we know of uh, Leo Messi's son? We do know that Lionel, Lionel Messi... Mm, He's enjoying a lot of uh, time with his children. Every time the training is over, whatever, he's going back home. He's playing with them, playing football in the garden. Uh, we do know that they didn't want to move to Paris so abruptly uh, because uh, it all happened from one day to another. And mm. the Messi's have been quite protective of their children as well. But uh, generally speaking, yeah, normally Lionel Messi has shown a few pictures on Instagram with his children and all that, but uh, we don't know much what more was the about them really. How, how good they are football? Is that what you asked? Yeah, I mean, I, I said, what do we know? But uh, yeah, in a footballing sense, I was wondering if if, we'd, if he was signed up for kind of PSG's youth side or anything like that. Yeah, he plays for the youth team. I think they, they even if they're not very good, they have to take them on. You sure. Know, how, how old is he? What age group are we talking? So I think uh, the oldest one who is maybe Matteo, no? Is he 10, Matteo, maybe? Yeah, he's on the 10? 9s, maybe, or on the 10s. Yeah. Right. But we've seen Cristiano Jr. Mm. Playing some decent stuff, right? Uh, either training with his dad or on his own when he was with the Juventus youth team. He also plays with, I believe, the United under twelve, maybe or something like that. But it's, they're still so young; it's, it's hard to say. However, right. yes, have you seen Romeo Beckham with the Inter Miami reserve team? They've got like a sort of a, a reserve youth team. Right, he's playing really, really well. He's he's got a, a really nice right foot and he gives a lot of assists. Especially on set pieces, exactly like his dad. It's quite crazy to, to see if you haven't noticed. Wow. Of course, yeah. the one we're all waiting for is Kun uh, Aguero's son, grandson of uh, <laughs> yeah. Diego Maradona. Woof. Of course. The first son of Messi, by the way, is called Thiago Messi. I have oh, Thiago, Thiago. And the one, second yeah. one is Mateo, yeah. Mm. And then there is a third one. All right. Listener, you're saying that's all well and good, but what about Thursday night's Europa League, other games and the conference? You're right. Let's get on to those next. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? 
Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad-free on The Athletic, this is The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. Europa League Thursday, yes, Barcelona are taking on Frankfurt and Atalanta host Leipzig, but you've also got Leon West Ham and Rangers Braga. James, your your panoply of European interests includes Braga. Are you going to that as well? Are you going to Prague as well? All those freebies, <laughs> all those travelling for your favourite teams. Right. Rangers are gold down, but hosting Braga this time around. What do you think? Well, you know, Braga keep winning. Um mm. Yeah, I mean they again at the, at the weekend against Vizela. Uh, um, they uh, they were down for ten men for what an hour or so and still managed to get the win. <laughs> yeah, fourth win in and a row. Uh, the Portuguese expert. <laughs> Who did they beat again? Vizela. Look, you brought the Spanish today. I'm yeah. just bringing the Portuguese. I mean, I'm amazed. You spent right, two so... days in Lisbon, and that's it. You bloody Eusebio and uh, Vasco da Gama. Incredible, man. The Portuguese journalist like, who is this man? Vasco da Gama is your new nickname. I don't care. You're Vasco now. James Vasco Honcastle. All right, tell us about about how Leon are looking ahead of there. No, no, no. I want to hear more about Zella and clearly (laughs) how Braga, you know, are going to... No, I'm kidding. Well, we mentioned Ricardo Orta. Ricardo Orta just keeps doing it. He should be in the Portugal squad, but Portugal have the deepest of deep squads. So Mm. there we go. One thing about Praga, if I may, um, Mm -hmm. I think that they were way better than Glasgow Rangers in the the first leg, and they deserve to to win by a bigger margin. So I think they are going to be quite competitive this time as well. Mm. Mm. They were the only side that did win. In the first yeah. leg of the quarterfinals, all the other matches ending one-one. Yeah. Curiously, and, and, and they attack a lot. Um, in the if you check the UEFA stats, uh, mm-hmm. no team has had more attempts in this uh, current Europa League than them. They have had forty-four attempts more than Olympique Lyon, and uh, around sixty more than uh, Glasgow Rangers. I'm talking about these two teams only, or these three mm-hmm. teams only, because they've been involved in the whole process of the competition. But yeah, they are a very fine attacking side as well. All right. Jules, what about Olympic Lyonnais then, ahead of their clash with West Ham? 1-1 in the first leg. This weekend, a draw for Lyon at Strasbourg. Yeah, which was a miracle, really. They scored at the 91st minute, I think, to Kombi. Uh, they lost three players to injury. Anthony Lopez, the goalkeeper, who's been very good for them. Uh, Usamawa, of course, the captain, and then... Tanguy Ndombele, who was really good, I thought, in the first leg, who scored the goal, of course, and created it as well. But yeah, so it was, it was, a, it was a bad day. I mean, they were so bad in that game at Strasbourg. Really, really bad, which is the, really the, the one consistency about their very inconsistent season is the sense mm. that they are very, very poor, very regularly, and they are good at times. Uh, but I can't really tell you what kind of Lyon will turn up on Thursday. You would expect with all the fans... In a tie where they now they have a slight edge, they, they, they has to be a slight favorite to go through because it's a draw in the first leg away, and now they they will be in their own stadium. So 
but it's it's really crazy. I think I think Peter Bosch is a nice guy, and I think he has some qualities as a manager. But my word, I don't understand like how they can be so bad at times. You think like, what are you doing? And yeah, so we see it should Jules, be a good game. But, when I came back from Lisbon, there was someone waiting at Heathrow. Uh, it was a driver, uh, and 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 the little kind of piece of paper that they held up was for Frank de Boer. Uh, no way! So the Dutch guy. Uh, <laughs> the other. Bit. So uh, I, Peter Bosch obviously is 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 Dutch. Now there's yeah, you've got mm-hmm. Frank de Boer, Koeman. Yeah, there's clearly. A if you owned a football club, you would you would never Definitely. hire a Dutch coach, would you? This is <laughs> never. Uh, now, yeah. with no. the quality of Lyon in the midfield, I mean they should do better. I mean they've got Paqueta. They got Ndombele, they got Awar, and they got Tete as well. And Tete is a f- very fine footballer as well. Yeah, although he was not very good on on Sunday, but he's just arrived. I think he's mm-hmm. he started on Sunday. He's still a player because he's so short of match fitness that should come on like he did in the first leg and also on his debut when he scored when he scored the winner the the, the previous weekend. But yeah, they they should be playing so much better defensively. They struggle at times. I mean, if you play Jerome Boateng, what do you expect? So it's one of those, you know, like, I, I think West Ham have a chance. Mm-hmm. Not the West Ham that we saw at Brentford, of course, no. on Sunday. But if they're up for it, uh, this will be a, a weekend Lyon team, I think. And one, again, that doesn't really have any certainties in the way they play. West Ham on the verge of reaching their first European semi-final since 1976, the old Cup Winners' Cup. They face Eintracht Frankfurt. Crazy. All right. And also... Also, mm. all can the, still uh, face Eintracht Frankfurt, yeah. of course. Oh yeah, but all the West Ham fans I know have booked their flight to Barcelona already. So really, uh, you know, yeah. Wow. All right, Europa Conference League. Meanwhile, the big news last week. The big news was Bodo Glimt did it again. Their third <laughs> meeting with Roma this year, and yet another victory. This time, two-one. We had Torquil and Carson on last week, previewing the game, not giving. Bodo Glimp that much hope because they'd sold off all the players who'd made them such a success a few months ago. But lo and behold, they went and got another win, 2-1. Crikey. We got a bit of flack, actually, for discussing this on, on BT's Golazzo Live. Roma fans on social media are upset with us. We didn't lose that game. No, no yeah. James. You've Mourinho upset them loads this season. On social media. You've upset them loads. You've upset there's, a, them loads. there's a difference. All right, then. Um, Look, I think you can acknowledge that Roma are on an 11-game unbeaten run in the league, Mm. which they haven't always been convincing in, but has kept them in contention for fourth spot. And I think if they were to get into the top four and win the Conference League, you would be able to say the season has been, while up and down, a success. Right. However, that success has come at quite the cost, not only in the investment made in the transfer window last summer, the 100 million in the investment that comes with appointing Justin Mourinho, but also the cost of of losing 6-1 to Bodo Glimp, to your reputation Mm. uh, as as a club, um, and in Mourinho's case, uh, as as a manager. Um, I think one of the reasons why Tor Christian was, let's say, downbeat on Bodo Glimp's chances of repeating what they had done in, when was it, October, November, uh, was because uh, Bodo are still in, well, practically in pre-season. They've only played, what, two games of, of the Norwegian league. Um, this usually is is when 
the kind of excuse Italian teams pull when they, they, they don't qualify for the group stages of European competition because Serie A hasn't started yet. Uh, and yet Bodo won. Mm. Um, and yeah, they sold two of the goal scorers from the 6-1 uh, defeat in, in the meantime. So, you know, as much as it's a plastic pitch uh, and this is a disgrace, Roma, for, for the, the talent that they have, for the run that they're on, <laughs> should should be beating Bodo Glimt and should not be and this has happened in back-to-back games now um, so it's going to be very interesting to hear what the uh, the UEFA investigation into what happened after the game in, right there was uh, a bit of a dust uh, up Bodo in the Glimt tunnel happened. yeah a dust up in the tunnel with with you know Bodo alleging that Roma were at fault and Roma alleging that no uh, Bodo were so we need to get to the bottom of what happened there mm. um, but Walter Sabatini uh, the Salernitana sporting director massive Roma fan saying that uh, the comportment of the Roma bench during the Salernitana game where Roma were 1-0 down mm. to the bottom of the table side until the final 10 minutes was uh, undignified Mm. Um, and as much as Mourinho would say, Walter Sabatini, nobody knows your name. You haven't won anything. Mm. Um, it was disgraceful behavior. So, you know, and to be honest, we see that on Twitter in the reaction to anyone who criticizes um, uh, the, the actions or the results. They won't uh, silence the you, James. You're not so. afraid to speak your mind. On the subject <laughs> of, un- of unbeaten, unbeaten runs, though, Bodo Glimt, of course, yet to lose in the Europa Conference League this season. And they came in in the early rounds and no one has been able to beat them. Certainly not Roma, whose uh, scoreline with them across three games is 10-4 for the Norwegians. Crikey, I'm looking but forward. I think you, you played hmm. that on, maybe you didn't play enough, the fact that they are much fresher than the Roma players. I know they've had their pre-season and I know you work hard on pre-season, but still, when Roma have already completed 80% of the season, pretty much, or 85%, and Bodo Glimt had just started theirs. And I, and I thought, especially on the plastic pitch the other night, I thought, I thought we saw it in the last 20 minutes where hmm. they could run and run and they scored the winning, the winning goal. I don't know if there was a deflection, but like quite late-ish in the game. And I wonder if that could be the case again on Thursday when for them, it's, it's, I think the, the, the fitness can't be as much of a problem maybe than when you've already played most of your season. I mean, ultimately, Mourinho is right. Of the four games, the only one that matters is the one that happens on Thursday. Um, because whatever the, the scoreline has been in other, other games, Roma still have a chance to, to make uh, a third European semi-final in five years. And, you know, it's not the Champions League semi-final of four years ago. It's not even the Europa League semi-final of last year. It's the Conference League semi-final, but it's still a semi-final. Mm. Um, and, uh, and so I imagine, just as we thought that last Thursday... Going back to, to Norway, this was a, an opportunity to erase the 6-1 from, from memory and avenge it. They have another opportunity this Thursday. And okay. uh, ultimately, he may have the final say. So let's see. All right. Also on Thursday, Leicester will be in Eindhoven after a 0-0 at the King Power with PSV. The Slavia Prague and Feyenoord will be in Prague after their 3-3. Quite the match, that one, in Rotterdam. And... Marseille will be defending their 2-1 lead over Pauk as they head to Greece for the second leg. Ooh, Dimitri Payet, Jules. 
Peut-être le dernier corner de ce premier acte. C'est une combinaison Under pour Payet. I think we can stop the whole Pushkas goal deliberation uh, or you know trying to get the nominees because this not nothing is not, is not going to be that goal this season. I think. Uh, come on, Jill. The goal scored from the corner in uh, in South America last week. Oh yeah, that was, that, okay, that was good. Yeah, outside of the foot, no. but it's still on the ground. It's still, the ball is on the ground. Yeah. I know it's, it's, the, the thinking is great, the execution is great. But at training, you know, players, professional players at training, try to do that mm. all the time, you know. And I, I don't know. I think this is an incredible piece of skill from Payet, who, uh, you know, he likes his kinders. We've said that many times. He likes the parties. <laughs> We've said that many times. But my word, when he's on it, the technical right. ability that, and I don't even like him that much, but the technical ability that he has on goals like this or the one he's called mm. against RB Leipzig when they reached the final against Atletico right. Madrid uh, four seasons ago it's just incredible and you're thinking like wow man you, you could have had such an amazing career really and that, I think that goal sums it all up I for mean, me that only, only against Pauk in the right. Europa Conference League you know but he could have scored that goal in the Champions League for you know for a top top club uh, the hit it's was great. as sweet as the foodstuffs he, he consumes Yeah, or the kinder before the salmonella, of yeah. course. But, you know, the, the thing is, it was a shame that they had, there was so much tension between the fans mm. before the game, during the game, after the game as well. I mean, they ruined the away, the away stand at the Velodrome, like so bad. And yet after Luchescu, the park uh, manager, was complaining about how his fans had been received. But I don't know what's going to happen on Thursday. I don't know if any of the Marseille fans will dare traveling. I To tell us the, the Saloniki, I, I would not think so. But Alvaro yeah, can it, vouch for Saloniki. Yeah, that's his second home. My main destination yeah. every summer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but apart from that, apart from the tensions, and we saw some really, really bad scenes with with the police and the Greek fans. And I'm not sure who is to blame. Really, this is not what I'm hinting at. But but yeah, that goal, that goal was incredible. Well, there's a lot of incredible second legs coming up over the next few days. And uh, we're going to finish off, though, today with a quick check on one or two of the results from teams not featuring, sadly, anymore in Europe uh, this weekend domestically. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. 
You're listening to The Totally Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power. Quick word from you, James, on the City and title race. Still three teams in it. Now two points separate them after Milan managed to have their second goalless draw in a row. This time away at Torino. Earlier that day, Napoli had been beaten at home by Fiorentina, allowing Inter, with their second straight win, this time 2-0 over Verona, to rejoin them just behind Milan. Hmm. Napoli, the day after Luciano Spalletti said, look, we can't hide it anymore. We are in this this title race. Um, We've got a full house that the the Stadio Armando Maradona. uh, And, you know, when you have a full house, it's like being able to put on a a cloak. You know, you can turn into a superhero. Mm. Um, But, you know, as, as, as is the case, when they often face Fiorentina in their title race, it's very much kind of Avengers end game for uh for napoli they beat sari's napoli in 2018 they beat spalletti's uh napoli this time around uh fiorentina one of the stories of the weekend you know they they got the train back to uh stazione campo di marte which is just behind the artemio franchi um and uh, all about 200 fans were there to welcome them um so credit to them most improved team in Serie A. Milan, we've seen scoring goals has been a, has become a problem. Um, yes, they spread the goals around. Zlatan's got eight, Giroud's got eight, Leal's got eight. But uh, I, I think there's a logic in 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 this discussion about you know Milan saying okay, let's let's go sign Sven Botman or Gleison Bremer, who was magnificent for Torino on on Sunday night for 30, 40 million. And it's like actually, you know what? You've got Tamori, you've got Kalulu, Kier's coming back. Why don't you invest 30, 40 million in a number 10 or a right winger or another striker? Because because that's that's what's holding you back. Mm. And it's left the door, it's, it, well, it's left it open for Inter now. Inter have got that game in hand against Bologna. They've got an easier run in. Um, they've got players back from injury, uh, like Joaquin Correa, who can you know alternate, who's standing in for the suspended Lautaro Martinez this weekend. There's a debate as whether he's a better foil for Dzeko. I don't think it'll stop. It'll break up that partnership, but Dzeko scored the weekend. Perisic was very good. So it, it, it now looks like it did in November time, James, that uh, that Inter after kind of you know beating Juventus in the Derby d'Italia and then playing well against Verona this weekend, uh, very much favourites to retain their title. All right. Meanwhile, pretty much favourites to retake their title are Paris Saint-Germain in Ligue 1. Ooh, look, another big win this weekend, Jules. What was it? Five goals they scored last time around. Six this time away at Clermont Foot with Neymar and Mbappé both scoring hat-tricks. Messi setting up three of the six goals. Yeah, it was very impressive, I have to say, against a, an average team, has to be said. The team that certainly played into PSG's hands in the way they tried to come back into the game and they scored and they came back to 2-1 at some point and then were left far too exposed, which is far too easy for Neymar with the outside of his right foot or Messi to pick passes. And, and they were very, very good. Hakimi as well on the right and Nuno Mendes on the left. It was great. It's a shame that it's in a meaningless game. I don't care about Clermont. Well, no one does. I would have scored Do you care about Marseille, <laughs> I care about Marseille next, next Sunday. I care yes. more about Real Madrid even. And right. how they bottled that up, then, right. then that game. This is it's great. And Poch's line after the game was, which was to be expected, was I always told you they needed some time to get to this kind of level and partnership, mm. the three of them together. He said, you know, you need you need time to build a relationship on the field, off the field, blah blah blah. Okay, yeah. But 
the the point still remains that there's there's only a few games to go this season. Kylian is still more likely to leave in the summer anyway. So okay, so tic-tac, I think tic-tac. yeah, tic tac tic tac. But Poch's job was to make it not so long to wait and not having this kind of relationship only against Lorient and Clermont. Let's mm. see against Marseille on Sunday. If they do it again next week and they win 5 0 and they score, one scores two, the other scores two, one assists three, blah, 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 then okay, we will say, okay, this is better. But against Lorient and Clermont, I'm like, come on. Come on, indeed. All right. Sunday night for that one. All the CDR action, if you're interested in that, will be on the Saturday. What about La Liga? Do they play Saturday or Sunday this weekend, Alvaro? Uh, you mean in the next weekend? Yeah, the coming weekend. Easter weekend, yeah. Yeah. Ah, yeah. yeah okay. Um, no, they play on Friday, Saturday and Sunday. Oh, on Monday. Okay. Yeah. Just right through. Good Lord. All right. It's only in Italy. The, the only real Catholic, Catholic country, country is, yeah, is Italy. Exactly. Yeah. Yes, okay. actually. Spain was a Muslim country for longer than any other country in Europe, probably. Hmm. We were a Muslim empire for a, or a Muslim country for around 800 years. But anyway, yes, uh, the next weekend in Spain is going to be pretty exciting because we've got Real Madrid-Sevilla mm-hmm. at Sunset Pizjuan. And this is actually the last chance uh, to have a proper title battle. I think if Real Madrid gets a point or if they win at Sevilla, then La Liga is over. Okay, the margin is what, 12 next points? Next week in Alvaro's bite-sized history of Spain, <laughs> the Reformation. <laughs> It wasn't even called Spain at the time, but anyway, uh, it was the Iberian Peninsula. But um, yeah, uh, the title race is beautiful right now uh, if Real Madrid loses. That's the thing. They have to lose uh, against Sevilla, and then Uh if Barcelona wins the game they've got in hand against Rayo Vallecano, Uh then the point difference is going to be reduced to six. But this is a little bit iffy, probably, so we have to wait and see. But Sevilla-Real Madrid is one of the crucial games of the season. All right. Looking forward to that as well. We've got a busy week ahead of us then, listener. Many, many thanks for choosing to spend this hour or so in our company with Alvaro, James, Julian, Christophe earlier, producer Charlie Wright on through. Do hope you have a lovely weekend and week before that. We'll be back on Tuesday. So do join us then. For now, from all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on The Athletic app and discover bonus content by following The Athletic UK Audio Plus on Apple Podcasts. Find out the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Totally Football Show is an Athletic Media Company production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic.